Same mother, Steve Slammers. Steve, how's your day today, buddy? Oh, my brother, things are going great over here today, you know. Uh, exciting first day of NBA free agency as every team in the league gets better except for my New York Knicks. Oh man, so, you've had a you've had a hey you know you got you got Fournier he's he did decent in the Olympics he you know they're they're doing it uh, you lost Reggie Bullock that kind of sucks um, who who who's been like the biggest pickup so far I think you guys were signed uh, D Rose right well we did I, I mean basically we resigned all of our all of our players that were on that were about to be free agents so we got Nurens Noel back we got uh, Derek Rose back, uh, but yeah, Fournier is the big pickup. Fournier signed Alec the... Burks. Yeah. So I mean, what I what I view what you what the Knicks have done is you're basically in the same position as you were last year, but you still haven't made that one move the needle signing just yet. Whereas the Chicago Bulls basically went from like a perennial play-in tournament team, to now they're they're legitimately going to make the playoffs. Uh, probably going to get at least the sixth seed, I would imagine. But they're they're going to avoid the play-in. Well, that might be a fun show to do to to take a look at the at the the changes that have been made in free agency through the draft, and then look at the the one through ten seeds yeah. last year. We'll definitely and then do that. See who's going to switch? But aside from that, I just watched the New York Mets lose again. Oh Jesus! To the Marlins, Christ. I will be at Citizens Bank Park this Friday for Mets Phillies. Now, I, I, originally I thought that that game wasn't even going to be for anything, but now it's looking like those games are going to be meaningful. So I will be in Citizens Bank t Park in Philadelphia, wearing enemy colors, representing the New York Mets. I haven't decided which jersey I'm going to wear yet, but we shall see. And aside from that, for those of you who are watching right now on Twitch TV. Uh, or maybe watch this on YouTube afterwards. But for the benefit of those who might be listening on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from, because the Slammer Bros are indeed getting everywhere. Is that right, brother? That is, that is indeed right. And uh, we want to thank everybody for giving us some all those five-star ratings. And if you feel inclined to do so, please continue to do so. And if you think we both suck, we're not telling you to lie. Just maybe don't review us <laughs> so that we could uh, reach a bigger audience and, uh, you know, captivate people with our amazing takes on all things pro wrestling so just wanted to thank everybody for continuing to give us five star reviews and just for listening in general because we take time out of our schedule to handle this and for those of you who are listening on the podcast i gotta say steve you look particularly dapper today mm. uh steve is wearing very nice sunglasses he's got a vest a tie and a copy of probably the only dignified belt in the WWE, the WWE World Championship. Steve, tell us tell us about the gimmick. What's going on right now? Well, you know, brother, after watching Monday Night Raw, and we'll get into Monday Night Raw, but in honor of the Almighty, it's either Almighty or, or Almighty, but we can debate that. In honor of the Almighty, WWE Heavyweight Champion of the World, Bobby Lashley, the man who is not afraid to confront a teenage boy on national TV in order to prove his point. I am rocking the gimmick that Bobby Lat well, similar to what Bobby Lashley rocked on Raw this week. And in keeping with my theme of bringing a new championship to every show we do, currently the 
WWE World Heavyweight Championship current version. And now, brother, I got to ask you a question before we get into the meat of the show. What is your question? Because we've debated the quality of the belts lately, right? Yes, we have. And I know we were not a fan of the remake of the, the new UFC championship belts. I am not. I am not either. However, if you had to choose... Forgetting about what each one represents because one's, you know, a, a professional wrestling title and the other is the championship of the premier mixed martial arts organization in the world. Would you rather have one of the new UFC belts or would you rather have this bedazzled gold and diamond monstrosity that I am currently rocking on my left shoulder? That's tough. Okay, so the UFC titles clearly look bargain bin without the razzle dazzle or the diamonds. I'm serious, man. That's like, you know, you and I have had these discussions at nauseum, and we're probably going to have a full episode just dedicated to the belts themselves. I would probably say the title you got around you right now, the WWE Championship mm. of the World. Um, I'm not saying I'm not disrespecting the champions of the of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC. I'm just saying. The title belts look like shit. These guys put themselves through years and years and years of dedication, grueling training, freaking diet regiments that suck donkey balls, and all they got to show for it, for winning the most coveted championship in all of mixed martial arts, is something that Dana White looked like he bought at Walmart for $15. So Maybe, maybe it's just me, but both belts look like they were designed to make cheap toys from. I, I could see that. I could honestly see that. I could see that uh, the marketing department... I could see those belts being designed by the marketing divisions for those companies, and I think that it would not shock me if instead of those belts being designed by the actual producers or the wrestlers, the marketing division was like, hey, well, that belt's cool, but we can sell this at on Amazon because Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. We can sell these at Walmart, Toys R Us, Kmart. Do Kmart still exist? I don't believe so, but I thought I heard that Toys R Us was about to make a comeback. Really? Yeah, I had heard that somebody bought them out of bankruptcy and that they were they were going to resurrect the Toys R Us brand. I, I guess we'll have to I guess we'll have to do some research on that one and talk about that on a future show. Because yeah, I love me some Toys R Us. I do love me some Toys R Us also, and ever I'm a since big kid now, baby. I'm a, <laughs> yes, you certainly are. Well, I liked. Um, for the the line I remember most of the did you you watch the New Jack Dark Side of the Ring right of course this is when he was like uh, talking about uh, his troubled relationship with his mother and he was like bitch I got a toy at Toys R Us <laughs> I'm a toy at Toys R Us and then that that's what talking about Toys R Us just reminded me of what was, a great country where somebody with the the aptitude. And the and the behavioral tendencies of New Jack can end up with an action figure at Toys R Us. You know what, dude? There's a lot of people who succeed in this country in spite of themselves. So oh, you know what? Good on America. I love me God some America. God bless America. God bless this America. I got an American flag Punisher tattooed on my chest, buddy. I freaking love this place. But. I, I thought, um, you know, you and I, every single show, we want to make it more fun for the audience. So today, Absolutely. I am going to surprise you. <clears throat> oh, boy. You, you know the segment. It's The segment is going to be called, the segment is called Buy, Sell, or Hold. Now, in this show, I'm going, now, in this segment, I'm going to give you a scenario. 
And based on that scenario, buy you're going to buy it, which means you think it's going to happen. It doesn't mean you want it to happen, but it means you think <clears throat> that it is going to happen. Sell it means there's no way it happens. Or hold, <clears throat> you either A, don't care, or you just don't have a strong enough opinion about it whatsoever. Are you ready to go? Should I have brought something harder than water? Uh, for this one, for this one, we're going to go pretty light. Okay, I'm I'm standing by, sir. I am ready. All right, cool. Well, maybe some fire water. <laughs> but uh, all right. So the first one, as you know, Ric Flair, Bray Wyatt were recently released from their WWE contracts. The reasons of which, a lot of rumor, a lot of innuendo. But Vince McMahon and AEW. Chris Jericho have both said that they do not view each other as competition. Do you, in retrospect, do you think, or in retrospect, since it's buy, sell, or hold, Vince McMahon sees AEW as a dumping ground for bad contracts or contracts he no longer finds lucrative, buy, sell, or hold? I will sell. And the reason I will sell is because I think based on everything that I've read, the the recent releases are more coming from Nick Khan. And I don't think that Nick Khan really has a concept of, you know, we'll we'll saddle the competition with bad contracts. I think he's just looking at bottom line dollars and cents. And I think he's just cutting people. Otherwise, why do you, you know, Ric Flair, from what I read, he he asked for his release. Bray Wyatt was about to return to TV. and, And also based on what I've read, Apparently, there's some partner networks at the WWE that are upset that they released Bray Wyatt because Bray Wyatt was was entertaining. So in terms of it being some devious master plot by Vince McMahon, I mean, maybe Mr. McMahon might have thought of that. But Vince McMahon circa 2021, I'm afraid I'm going to I'm going to go against the grain on this one. I'm going to have to sell that, buddy. You're going to sell it. Okay. This is why this segment is so good. I thought it would be a buy, but apparently not the case in this scenario. Okay. So, speaking of Nick Khan really analyzing the budget, getting rid of contracts, despite the fact that WWE has guaranteed money for the next 10 years, WWE is preparing for an acquisition and will be acquired within five years by seller hold. Well, this is the, uh, the what, $2 billion question? This is the $2 billion question. Um, this is a tough one. You know, McMahon made, made the business, or the business of WWE, that is, what it is, you know, purchasing it from his father. Um remaking professional wrestling in the United States from the old territory system to what it is today. Um, Shane McMahon, his son, I'm not sure. Honestly, it's been hot and cold in my opinion as to whether or not he wants it. It looks like Stephanie and her husband, Triple H, Paul Levesque are, are, are standing by to take over the company. But then you have to ask why they bring in somebody like a Nick Khan to start making these types of, de- of decisions. And, and I don't know if it's because they want to run it more as a, as a business or, or what. So in terms of do I see them selling WWE, everything I've read, it, that's the rumor. I just I find it hard to believe I'm going to cautiously 
And this is probably going to come back to haunt me, but I'm going to cautiously sell on that one as well. Now, this sell, because I view a lot of apprehension on you, there is. is is this one of those things where part of your brain just does not want to see the WWE outside of the McMahon family? Or it's I'm just afraid. inconceivable? I, I'm a, I, it, it's hard for me to fathom that it actually happens. Um, does that mean it won't? No, I mean, it, it's a business, right? And yeah. McMahon is <clears throat> he's in his mid-70s now, and... As they say, you can't take it with you. Although, if anyone would damn sure try, it would probably be Vince McMahon. <laughs> um, I think it really boils down to what Stephanie and Triple H are thinking. You know, what kind of inputs are they having? Because it seemed, especially with the way that they've developed NXT and, and how different NXT is, that there was at least a thought to, you know, grooming Triple H more so to, to take over for that, that Vince McMahon role. But. You know, they're they're sending to me. They're sending a lot of mixed signals with what a lot of the, what they're doing. I could hold it, but I, I I just it's hard for me to really see it. So I'm I'm like I said, that's why I'm going to have to cautiously sell on that one. Yeah. So the only reason, and this this for me would be a buy. And the only reason is, as you mentioned, a Nick Khan, a guy who's coming in to make the quote-unquote tough decisions that those folks can't make. Um, you know, because most of the time, because if you look back at WWE before they went public, that was when they got rid of the Bret Hart contract. And a lot of times when you want somebody to make an acquisition, one of the big things is they want to make sure that you don't have any long-term contracts or deals that they have to honor outside once they take over. Um, so that's what I'm looking into there. And then also a lot of their decisions are, you know, like, I mean, it could go either way, though, because they have guaranteed money for 10 years. So it's like, well, why would I sell to you when I could triple or quadruple that with my earnings right or is Vince McMahon 75 does he say hey I talked to Shane Shane doesn't want it Triple H really just wants to do NXT what uh that that's that's why for me it's 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 a buy um well uh, and I can respect that let me let me let me come back a little bit so you, you said some things that really actually firm me up on on actually selling as opposed to a cautiously sell. yeah um you mentioned the bret hart contract in the late 90s and how they were trying to shed that and if you look at at the at the wrestling landscape then the nature of wwe then wwe back then was not a publicly traded company yeah uh they were locked in the bret hart's contract for 20 years and at that point the wwe was was in existential threat from WCW, right? Yeah. So I think that was more of a of a self-preservation move to kind of free up the capital so that they could sign talent and not be locked into that contract than it was them preparing for any kind of a sell. I think what happened was is a couple of years ago, AEW came on the landscape. I think that they signed a bunch of people into some contracts that were not wise braun Strowman was a good example he was apparently making seven figures yeah right and i think now they're looking at the at, at the current landscape and they're seeing and i think they really mean it i think they mean that AEW is not competition for them and i think that they mean that because they view AEW as a wrestling company they view themselves as an entertainment company they have regular income coming in as a result of their peacock deal as a, as, as for their fox deal 
they are making money, in my opinion, in spite of themselves. And so I think that they just don't really have a thought as to just release these talents and, you know, get out of some of these long-term obligations that we've made in some cases overpaying. I mean, the rumor was for the, for Gallows and Anderson, they offered them like 750,000 a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Back when AEW was forming. So I think, I think that's what's going on. I think there's a little bit of buyer's remorse with respect to some of the contracts that they signed. I think they bring this guy in to kind of make them right financially. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, they're, they're getting rid of talent that they probably should not, but I also don't own the company. I am not the, the Nick Khan of WWE. So I think now I've talked myself into more of a just sell. I think these are just raw business decisions based on the, the current landscape and also based on how they view each of the companies. You know what? You shifted me closer to a hold, but I'm still buying. But you, it is now you've you moved me to an apprehensive buy. So, brother, good jobs, I could sir. I could sell a snow cone to an Eskimo. You just you just watch me. I will, <laughs> I will talk you into some funky stuff during this show. Dear God, that that is probably explains your success rate with the ladies. Ooh, All right. <laughs> All right. Number three, and this is in regards to SummerSlam coming up. The triple threat gimmick will be used up like a Tijuana hooker at SummerSlam. Buy, sell, or hold. And for those of you who do not understand the analogy, that just means that they're going to overuse the triple threat gimmick due to lazy booking. Well, so here's what I'm going to tell you on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through a stream of consciousness before I let, give you my answer. We know that there's one, yep. and that's the, the Raw Women's Championship match. In my opinion, the triple threat gimmick is overused if there's more than one. So the question then for me to answer your question is, is are there going to be two? I think the only thing that I can see becoming a triple threat is the, the Universal Championship match, unless they put together some garbage multi-man match at the bottom of the card, in which case it would be overused. So you know what, brother? I am going to buy. Boom! We have ourselves our first buy. We need a cash register sound right now. Ka-ching! 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 We are definitely going to do that once I get us off StreamYard and on to <laughs> a better solution. Hey, step we one love is just... StreamYard. StreamYard, we, you're A-OK. We, you are A-OK, StreamYard. <laughs> I just need to be able to use you a little bit better. Okay, mm. now... Not quite like a Tijuana hooker. Not quite like a Tijuana hooker. Maybe Got more it. like a Thai hooker, you know? Ooh, haven't been yeah. to Thailand. Haven't been to Thailand? Really? No, sadly, yeah. Damn. Missed my opportunity. I, I, had, I, had a, I had an opportunity a couple years ago to go train at a Thai kickboxing camp for two weeks, and I turned it down because of work stuff, and I regret that ever since. Damn. Yeah. Well, you miss kicking bamboo trees and having the time of your life, good sir. I know. I could have been like the guy in kickboxer just sitting back there just being like, Kadoosh! Kumate! Kumate! Oh, dude. Kumate! That's my favorite. Like, uh, so there was this uh, football movie that I'm not gonna make because it would break kayfabe. But I was, I did stunts for a football movie way back in the day, and one of the deleted scenes, me and my buddy Tyler, we uh, we we recreated the kickboxer scene where we were like, we were in the weight room, and then we just start going, "Hey, man, did you?" Did you watch Kickboxer on TBS last night? This was back when you had to actually catch stuff on cable TV. He's like, yeah. So then we just started kicking each other in the ribs and going, Kumite, Kumite, Kumite. See, that sounds like internet gold right there. 
Oh, it was fantastic. If they ever released that, that was that would be mm. sensational. And hey, and hey, speaking of kayfabe, and you mentioned the the football movie, you know, I was I was perusing, I was I was reading the WWE website as I was looking to see what the updated SummerSlam card is, and the week that we are in Las Vegas for SummerSlam week, the WWE is holding talent tryouts in Las Vegas. Wow, talent so, tryouts. So possibly coming soon to a developmental ring near you, Mr. Jack Slammer. So I could would we, I, I'll try out. I'll try out. Man, I mean my like, balls my balls will be healed fully by then. I'll be oof. back into shape so I can do it. I had a vasectomy, people, so you know, I haven't been able to lift too heavy, but I am gonna be able to do my first heavy leg day uh, for about two weeks today. But uh, actually when we get back from SummerSlam there is a local wrestling school to me it's about 15 miles from my house they're actually having a tryout to enter into their wrestling school and i was just gonna show up and say hello and maybe introduce (laughs) myself and maybe take a couple bumps uh do some push-ups get my ass whooped a little bit and give it a shot but we could not to cut you off but if you want to film that and you want to see me like enter in and see how i do i will totally do development i will do it i will i will uh after this, I will get a little more information on the WWE website as to how, when, and where in Las Vegas. How, when, and where in Las Vegas. I will definitely give it a shot. Mm. That could be that could be a good live stream just in the moment. Just be like, yep, he just got superplexed into the middle of the ring, and he is not moving. <laughs> it's like he got his neck broken early. Uh, also, or knowing my dumbass, he's like, he got the guy in a triangle choke. Didn't realize it was a wrestling match, though, and got pinned in, like, five seconds. But I got the choke! It's a wrestling match, idiot! (laughs) All right, so according to Justin FYI in the Twitch chat, Uh is Steve Slammer going to the homecoming dance after the show? Well, you know, it's possible. Um, I'm not sure where that would be. I am outside of Philadelphia, so I'm afraid that if I actually went outside dressed like this especially with this gorgeous bedazzled thing on my shoulder, I would probably not make episode six. So my guess I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sell on that one and just say I'm gonna stay in tonight. Ooh, very good. So he's just staying in tonight. I mean the the freaking kitty would be chasing him left and right in that suit if he left his house. Mm, Dear yeah. God. Well I am only an hour away from Atlantic City too, so you know Oh man. Dude, if we walked, we that's we. I mean, I'm totally down. Once we're done with Vegas, once we're done with SummerSlam, to throw on some nice clothes, walk around with some some of the the belts, the title belts, and go play some blackjack. Well, brother, I am I am always down for suiting up. Oh, I'm you don't down have to, to suit ask me up. twice. I ha- in addition to having an extensive belt collection, I have an even more extensive suit collection. Yes, you do. Goddamn, I like to look pretty. Yes, you do. And God damn it, you always do look pretty good, sir. All right, to the next buy, sell, or hold question. And this one, this one's going to hurt a little bit. Maybe I should have let you have a drink, but we will get there. Buy, sell, or hold. The SummerSlam venue will be altered in some way for Rona restrictions. We're talking about Corona Extra, Light, or Premier. We are talking, I'm talking oh, like some, Rona. the Rona, yes, oh, the, the Rona, Rona. Mm. Rona, the Rona restriction. So what I mean by that, mm-hmm. buy, sell, or hold, venue change, 
limited seating, refunds for whole sections, maybe even being like, okay, this seat stays, this one gets a refund, this seat stays. Sorry, folks, if you got the wrong seat, you got the wrong seat. Well, let's see. We are we are currently what two weeks out? Yes, we are. A little over two weeks. Um, you know, without getting into the 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 science or the politics around it, we know that uh, I know because I read up that uh, Las Vegas has reinstituted a mask mandate for indoor arenas, and despite the fact that uh, Allegiant Stadium has a domed roof, it is considered an indoor arena. So at the very least, we're going to be wearing masks. Um, with respect to, are they going to physically change the venue? Are they going to have some type of capacity restriction, uh, specialized seating? I'm actually going to sell on that one. I don't believe that they're going to do that. Uh, everything that I've heard is that they are trying to not, uh, they're trying to not adversely impact business. As far mm -hmm. as I know, the casinos are not having capacity limits right now. It's just the, the mask mandate, regardless of if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. By the way, good plug, vaccine, you know, hey, do your part. But anyway, besides from that, um, I think uh, I'm going to have to sell. I think that we're, I think we'll be a mess. But in terms of any kind of physical restrictions, any kind of like mandated social distancing or anything like that, I'm going to have to go ahead and say no. I think we're going to be rubbing elbows with some some uh, rabid wrestling fans who will be wearing all manner of disgusting face cloth over their their bearded faces. Absolutely. So sorry for you folks who had to hear my nostril breathing, and thank you so Ooh. much, Justin. Now I'm going to move the mic away from my nose a little bit. Hope everybody can still hear me. All we, right. We can hear you loud and clear. I just assumed we had Darth Vader or somebody on, you know, listening in. Yes, I heard. I'm, I'm told much better now. So the this is microphone placement matters. There we go. Indeed. And Justin, FYI, you are helping the production, and you should help the production further by giving our podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, the wow, next... That was, that was smooth. I like that. That was good. Uh, see, you're not the only salesman yeah. in the family, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. That was smooth as fuck, brother. God. Absolutely. All right. All right. Bye. Keep it coming, baby. Buy, sell, or hold, baby. Cody Rhodes beats Malachi Black clean. Oh, my God. All right. So the, this is what we think is going to happen, not what should happen. Because what should happen is, is Malachi Black should kick his ass. Yeah. That has not been Cody's uh, trend. Uh, look at his feud with uh, QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo and, and those folks where he just beats them like, like, like he took them out to the woodshed. I'm afraid I'm going to have to hold on this one because I honestly... Uh, I could, I could, I could see them having Cody win, thinking that oh well, Black will jump him afterwards and get his heat back, not recognizing the fact that they just completely cut this guy's balls out from underneath him, and it wouldn't be the first time that they've done that. I think if they have any clue what they're doing, Black should should beat him clean. Um, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to hold only because that one is that one is so rife with. With contradictions on both sides, it's it's hard for me to say one way or the other. I'm afraid I'm going to have to gracefully bow out and just hold on that one. I think we're gonna we're gonna see all will be revealed this Wednesday. 
All right. My my opinion on the matter is this, just knowing the limited amount that I know about both people. I will say that if Cody were to do the job, Malachi would not win clean. It would have to be not quite a schmoz, but there would have to be a weapon of some sort, brass knuckles, some kind of gimmicky loss. But he he would not he would do the job, but he wouldn't do it clean. That that's my opinion on the matter, and I'm also a hold right there with you. It, it's actually going to be a fascinating match because not just with respect to what we just talked about, but also if you look at the positioning of both, Cody is clearly positioned as the babyface. Black is clearly positioned as the heel. Um, Cody is is losing favor with the AEW crowd, and Black got a lot of cheers when he jumped him this past week and when he debuted on Dynamite and he did the, the black mask kick to Arn mm-hmm. Anderson and then and then the Cody. I think it's going to be fascinating. I think he's going to get cheered. And unless maybe they're positioning this as potentially turning Cody heel, I, I maybe, I don't know, uh, it would be sudden. So I don't think they're quite going that way yet. It, it, it's it, that That is a match that is definitely interesting me for Wednesday night. Well, not to uh, not to not to lose heat with uh, by seller hold. I must say this: when I watch a rest, when I watch wrestling moves, and you and I, we're both lifelong martial artists in our own respect. Mm-hmm. Martial arts moves as finishers for me are very hit or miss. And I will say that black mass kick is a thing of fucking beauty. Oh, I, I love, love that, that kick. That is, he he pulls it off so well. The placement, the the timing of the smack. You know, it's just and, and everyone seems to know exactly how to just lean into it just enough so that it's so that it looks close, but that it's not so obvious that they're just, you know, diving their head in. So, yep, I, I agree with you, brother. I, I, I'm i I'm a big Tommy N fan, Malachi Black, Alistair Black, whatever you want to call him. I'm excited to see what he can do on the roster. And actually, and then we can get back to buy, sell, or hold, but it's actually a little a little upsetting because with Bray Wyatt now available, and I think we said on the last show that you know, his his character trend of the characters that he creates is just a little too close to black. And at least on the WWE roster, they could keep him on separate brands. Yeah. I think I think Bray Wyatt would be a great pickup for AEW, except uh, is he going to completely reinvent himself? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. He's got a 90-day no-compete as, as far as I know anyway, so we're not going to see him anywhere for at least until the end of the year. But it'll be interesting. Well, that... Um... <clears throat> That being said, and we'll get back to buy, sell, or hold, obviously, because mm-hmm. I feel like that segment's picking up a lot of heat, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, they are introducing a Friday night show, kind of like similar to what WCW did with Thunder and what WWE yep. did with SmackDown. I mean, he could exist on that show, and they could bring him in as you know the the darker character for uh, that brand. But I wonder if they're going to run it as two separate entities. Or if they're going to uh, just have it have it kind of like how SmackDown was originally with the WWE, if you remember, where it was just a continuation. Mm-hmm. Each show is just a continuation <clears throat> of one another, not two separate brands. Yeah, I don't get the impression that they're going to any kind of a, of a brand split. I, I think it's just going to be a continuation. Got it. Very good. Okay, moving back, and I had to add, I had to add a little bit of a blast from the past. So, buy, seller, hold. Former head writer, if you, depending on what story, whose title you believe, head writer of WWE or WWF at the time he was there. Former head writer of WCW, Vince Russo will be hired by AEW at some point. 
I would say sell. They might do it just to piss off Jim Cornette. I I, I don't know, but I, I have to believe that's a sell. I, I, I just don't see them going that way. And I think that some of the big-name talent that they're about to bring in, the CM Punks, the, the Brian Danielsons, and some of their existing stars, I think might revolt if Tony Khan did that. So I, I, I'm going to have to sell on that one. Okay, so you so if there ever was a window for that to happen, that window that window is shut as the day that CM Punk or Daniel Bryan gets into that building. Well, I I think I think if they were going to do it, they should have done it from the beginning. I think if they do it now, it it it, it would signal to me that they think they're in some kind of trouble. Like they need a change up because yeah. that's typically what you bring them in for. It's like okay, ratings mm-hmm. suck. This guy at least will get us some ratings. Because that's what Vince Russo was, ultimately. He was a ratings guy. He didn't really know much about wrestling, but he knew how to get eyeballs to the screen. Uh, Okay. Very good. All right. The next one. Jim Cornette will be inducted at some point into the WWE Hall of Fame by Seller Hold. Yeah, I'm going to buy on that one. Um, I know that he, you know, he's got his controversies, but... I mean, if you look at the job he did, he was he inducted the Rock and Roll Express into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and I thought his speech was outstanding. I think he's he's savvy enough in the business that he knows you know what to say, what not to say, how to push the envelope just right, and I and he's entertaining, and I think that that's what they look for for the Hall of Fame, and and especially after the last two years where they did the Hall of Fame basically, you know, in front of the the Thunderdome, which was just awful, and the, and you know, it's really a time for the inductees to and and their presenters to kind of share stories with the audience and the and the, and the folks that actually the fan and the fans anyway that show up for the hall of fame you know really get into it i get into it i i watch along on the network on peacock now and i and i get a kick out of the stories and kind of the insider stuff and who who's more insider and tells more entertaining stories than jim Cornette, right so i think i'm gonna buy on that one i think it won't be next year, but I could see them within the next two or three years just kind of opening that door uh, and inviting him back. I think he's earned it. I think um, even for his work in the WWF, you know, as, as when he was the spokesman for Yokozuna and managing the Bulldog and Owen Hart and those folks, um, you know, even bringing the Heavenly Bodies in when they were the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions. I think he's done enough to earn it, you know, enough behind the scenes, on commentary, I mean, the guy's a freaking rock star. I, he, he deserves it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy. No, I 100%, 100% agree with you there <laughs> on Jim Cornette. Now, I'm pretty sure it's an immediate sell. This next question, the one question, I had a follow-up question, but I know it's an immediate sell. But fuck it, I'll ask it anyways. Buy, sell, or hold. Jim Cornette, at one point or another, will mend the fences with AEW. They'll kiss and make up. And he will work for them. Sell. There you go. That's I. I knew what the answer was yeah, going to be, but I had to ask it. That that ship has long since sailed. I think. I think they are. His. If if anything, I think Cornette is protective of his legacy and and how he views the business. And I think after everything that he said about their product, most of which is spot on. If he turned around now and got into bed with him, he would look like the biggest hypocrite in the world. And I think that he would just, I think he's satisfied with where he is right now and, and doing what he does. I'm going to, that, yeah, that's a very quick sell for me. All right. I had to, I had to ask hey. the question so that the people at home could get the answer. Okay. We have two left Ooh. now, assuming <clears throat> that Chicago 
AEW Chicago, the best, when they mention the best in the world, they're referring to as one chick magnet punk. Kenny Omega will lose in a singles competition for the first time in nearly seven or in over 700 days, and he will do the job for CM Punk to put the belt on him. Well, um, that's a, such a complicated question. The, the, they've built him up as the, the belt collector. You know, he's got, he's got championships all over the place now. He comes out with like four different belts. It looked like they were gearing up for Hangman Page to have his, his championship match and, and victory. But now, it, you know, based on the match last week, which we reviewed, it looks like they're backing off of that. The, the rumors that I'm reading seem to indicate that that's the case. It makes me wonder if it's because Punk is coming and, and Danielson is coming. Um, with that said, if that is indeed what they're doing and they are backing off, um, well, first of all, that, that's significantly damaging the page, but that's, that's a subject for, to see how it plays out. It's going to be to face those guys. So which one would he is he would he be more likely to drop it to? I would have to say probably Punk. Yeah. So I'm gonna. God, I'm actually gonna buy on that one. All right. Now there was no agenda when I made these buy seller holds. I literally just wanted your opinion, and when you have to choose buy or sell, there's you know, there's uh, you get you get a more thorough answer, and I love it. Final one before we get to the point of the show where we want to slit our wrists and have to fucking talk about Ooh. Reggie for the third time in seven days. There you go. Uh, the final one, and this goes into our belt discussion. Maybe it wasn't the best one to end on, but God damn it, we love our, we love our championship belts. Buy, sell, or hold. With, uh, with the new superstars who are going to be injected into the roster – a lot of those guys who are on the upper card are going to make their way down to the mid card. That's just the way it works, and we're mm-hmm. seeing that with Jungle Boy. We're probably going to see that with Orange Cassidy, Darby, a few of those other guys. Um, so I am, I am. So buy, seller, hold. AEW will add some titles to put some metal on these guys so that they could stay face somehow, some way. You know, I'm going to sell on that one, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if you actually look at what they have on their television, so what they officially have is they got the world title, they got the women's title, they got the tag team championship, and then they've got the the TNT title, <clears throat> which is, in my opinion, the best looking belt in wrestling. Oh, that With is that great looking said, belt. Though, oh, and FTW, you can't forget the FTW. Well, that, well, belt. well, that's what I'm saying, right? That's not officially recognized, right? But ah. what they what they put on their television is the FTW title. They've been they've been having matches for the IWGP United States Championship. They've been advertising contenders matches for the NWA Women's Championship. I think that they bring in enough ancillary company championships that they probably don't need to do that. Um, maybe they create one other. I don't know what it would be um, because they they have a primary a primary secondary title. Um, and I think you run the risk of, of what's happening in WWE right now, which is just too many champions. I mean, you know, we, we said they have 19 champions, and I, I, could, I couldn't name all 19, I'll, I'll be honest. But I can tell you who holds all the titles in AEW right now. 
Yeah. And I think and I think they should keep it that way. I I you know who knows what Tony thinks. Maybe he wants to create the the AEW European Championship or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I'm gonna sell. I think like I said, I think they they have their titles set and I think they bring in enough ancillary championships to kind of to promote certain individuals and their interactions with different companies. So sell. Sell. Okay, that was our very first installment of buy, sell, or hold. I think we need to do that every Tuesday. Hey, I'm I'm down with that. I will buy that. I will buy that as well. Okay, so moving on to uh, to Raw. I mean, there was some stuff that I liked, some stuff that I hated, some stuff that was illogical, and some things where I think they tried to save one guy or save both guys, and they ended up burying both of them. Uh, let's start off, because you look so dapper, I want you to set the mood, set the tone for the Bobby Lashley, Goldberg uh, promo, the face-to-face promo that was cut. So I got to tell you, you know, after last week's bookended Raw with the with the women's championship and the Nikki superhero character and, and all the silliness, when I heard Bobby Lashley's music go off, I actually said out loud, thank you, God. Because at least we're going to get some seriousness, right? Yeah. So Lashley comes to the ring. He looks like a million dollars. He actually makes this championship belt look good. Yeah. My opinion. Yes, he did. Um, he, he MVP does his thing. You know, he cuts his promo. Um, and then Goldberg comes in and... He gets in, he gets in Lashley's face and basically says that Lashley's afraid of him. Why I don't know. As as I recall, Goldberg got his ass handed to him by Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble in about four minutes. Yeah. But um, with that said, I thought Goldberg's material was as good as you could expect from Goldberg. I think Goldberg has gotten better. Yeah. At promos over the years, and this one wasn't terrible. Um, and then at the end, Goldberg leaves. Uh. MVP points out that Goldberg's kid is sitting ringside. Lashley gets out of the ring, gets in his face. MVP gets in his face. Goldberg comes back, spears MVP, and then him and his kid walk off. It makes me wonder if they're going to do something else with his kid. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, the, the segment was, was did what it did, and then later on in the night they follow up with Lashley where he confirms, yes, as we all know, he's going to be taking on Goldberg for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. Um, overall, I thought the segment was, was as solid as it could be. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to grade it, I would give it a C plus. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I liked about it, too, was it was a, it was a dose of seriousness, and then it wasn't going to be a carbon copy opening and a carbon copy closing of the yeah. last two shows together. MVP, hit, I loved him as a wrestler, but God damn it, as a manager, beautiful. Great promos. Love him with that cane. Like he just yes, he's like he's like a likable asshole. He's a likable heel manager, and it's just fantastic. And then Lashley just gets to be that stoic badass Mm -hmm. who it's his job to just be a freaking world beater. And you know I can't the characters what how those two are developing, how they're utilizing the material given to them. You can't ask for much better. Now I, I agree. 
to your point with Goldberg, there's a reason why that guy wrestled 100 matches in WCW before we heard him talk, right? Like, he was not a Mike Master by any stretch of the imagination. He had a couple of good ones, but clearly... I, I don't know, man. Like, is this a heel versus heel match? Did they have his son get attacked a little bit so that it's like, okay, these guys are bullying a teenager. They're clearly the bad guy. Um, and I will say this. I don't know how old Goldberg's kid is, but God damn, that kid is freaking built already. So yep. good on good genetics there. <laughs> Obviously, your dad's freaking Goldberg. Um but, uh, yeah, the segment for me, just for being a breath of fresh air, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Okay. I could give mi- it a B- minus there. B-, minus. you know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest promo ever, but I feel like it, it set the tone, moved the story. Uh, the kid sold it as well as a kid could sell it. Like, you know, and I think the kid played it off well. He didn't play, like, terrified, the, the you know, terrified. He's probably like, my dad's Goldberg. Do what, do what you will. He's going to kick the shit out of you. And that was kind of his facial structure. So, A-plus, nobody ruined it for me. Um, mm. So, I have, a, I have a wonderful question for you, bro. Yes, sir. The 24-hour championship. Ooh. Let's just get it out of the way. And I, I have to shit on this because it's on my fucking Fine. TV three times. Okay. So we, you've explained this many times, and I think I finally picked it up, right, even though that it's not presented, the matches aren't presented as which. Um, the 24-hour championship is supposed to be defended anytime, any place, anywhere. Yet, somehow, some way, this Reggie dude has been in the ring three times in seven days, both shows, or maybe it's 10 days. Eh, 7 to 10 days. Who, who gives? Actually, no, it is 7 days straight. It is so 7 days? Seven, it's 7 days, exactly. So in 7 days, dude's on TV three times, two different brands, and it's a and it's an official match in the ring that ends with him doing 90 fucking back springs mm-hmm. to an audience who half of them probably got up to take a dump, go get concessions, nobody cares, and he fought a guy... The one guy whose gimmick I hate worse than his. So let's break this uh, down, Stephen. How was there any point in this match where you were mildly entertained by anything going on in the ring? No. Well, so so the why are we suddenly having twenty four seven championship matches? It's because they put the belt on Reggie and Reggie's gimmick his routine doesn't work in backstage scenarios they need him out in front of a crowd doing this stuff in the middle of a ring and in short doses which is why all these matches last about three minutes yeah um and the crowd reactions if you'll notice when he does his his fancy offense he gets a reaction yeah but the crowd is generally there's there's like no reaction to him because i've been given no reason to care for the character yeah. And actually, you know, before well during the introduction, they actually went backstage and they did a, like a like a oh Reggie wants to talk, right? And he, Reggie's talking about how the 24/7 championship gives him the ability to express himself. Well, fucking great, right? And and actually the very next segment, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but in the very next segment, you had Nikki Cross saying something similar where, you know, she she if she can overcome charlotte flair then she can be almost a superhero well i'm sorry i thought you were the 
women's champion of the world already. Yeah. I didn't realize that the WWE was was filled with a bunch of introverts who needed superhero costumes and hubcaps crazy glued to green leather belts in order to be able to express themselves. So that's freaking wonderful. It, 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 there's it just it's it's awful. And then you know, but I will say one positive though. I haven't gotten to hear Akira Tozawa's entrance music, and it's it's a little catchy. I gotta admit. <laughs> It's a little catchy. Absolutely. So then, so then he begs off. He yells ninja power in the middle of the ring. Uh, it's just, it's awful. I'm actually surprised that the Chicago crowd was as generous to this as it was. Yeah, I thought, I, I based on the general reactions this thing got, I had no idea they were in Chicago because normally the two crowds that are not very forgiving, Chicago and Philadelphia, You've, those two crowds will murder you alive. Oh, and Oakland, and Oakland. You can't. Well, well, <laughs> well, this was the kind of match that typically would get a CM Punk chant. Yeah. I didn't hear a lot of CM Punk chants on this show, and I think the reason why is because he's about to be back. Just not there. Just not there. And I think that I, I think the crowd was was hot at times. I mean, yeah. You know, even during the main event, which I personally didn't really care for, but we'll talk about that later. But, you know, the Reggie stuff, the 24-7 title, I don't care. You know, Akira Tozawa, I don't care. The, the uh, You know, I can express myself finally. You've given me no reason to care about you expressing yourself, Reggie. And, you know, hey, I can't do some of the stuff that he does. Who can? But yeah. that, that doesn't make me want to see more of you. Yeah, that's the way I view it is the crowd is cheering the flippy flips. They're not really mm-hmm. bought in on this guy, and they're really trying to force him. And, you know, my – I don't have an issue with him as the person. Hey, man, you're getting TV time. Good sure. for you, man. Like, try to get over. That's your job as a wrestler. Not hating on you, the person. But when I see uh, when our favorite championship, the Intercontinental title – the guy is so buried underneath the card. The, the Intercontinental Champion last week didn't even get a promo. Nope. I don't even know who he is. Apollo Apollo Cruz, right? Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz <clears throat> is the guy's name, right? Freshly keep, Nigerian. Freshly Nigerian. Freshly Nigerian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, great worker. Doesn't get any attention. But this gimmicky belt gets – the guy's gotten three interviews before his match – full introductions and then an outro that takes like almost as long as his goddamn match because the guy's a, the guy's a world-class gymnast. Now, if I wanted to see that, the Olympics are going on right now. I could see all the backflips, front flips and everything else that I want right now. Excellent point. And as we said on the last show, apparently this is the only champion, well, besides the women's tag team titles too, which again no one cares about as well. But this apparently is the only is one of the only two titles that can switch brands. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, it's another gym class F, man. Yeah. Just, um, this was this was a stinker. This was a waste of time. Okay. And by the way, last thing on this one, you know, the commentary team. You know, I got I got Saxton yelling, "Go Reggie, go!" during the match. I was like, "What? What?" And then at the end, the announce team was saying, "Oh, Reggie's amazing. He's jaw dropping." Like, stop. stop. They are. They are. I don't know what happened. Maybe they paid this guy a lot of money thinking that he would get over, and they're just trying their damnedest to put and this guy over. Maybe he's a likable guy. He he looks like a likable guy, right? I mean, yeah. he's got a good smile. He's got, like, a presence. He dresses nice. But yeah. but they they present him just, like, great. You put, a, you put a piece of brass on him, 
and he does a bunch of flips against guys that no one has seen on TV aside from some backstage segments for months. Yeah. You know, am I supposed to be impressed that he that he won a disqualification match against Chad Gable, who they've buried? I mean, you remember he was Shorty G not too long ago, and now he beats Akira Tozawa? Sorry. Give me a character to invest in. Yep. Just a couple weeks ago, he was Nia Jax's bitch. Yes, he was. Wait, boyfriend. boyfriend. Was he boyfriend or bitch? Looking at the two of them, I would guess that he was playing bitch. Probably, yeah. Mm. I think, I think uh, don't get me wrong, Nia Jax is a hot woman. I mean, I wouldn't say no to her. But mm. listen, she. Uh, you remember that episode of Futurama, the Snoo Snoo episode? Oh, God. I imagine no, 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 no. Snoo, 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 snoo. Hey, on the bright side, it looks like her and Shayna Baszler are, are gearing towards a breakup, and that's the best thing that could possibly happen to Shayna Baszler. Oh my God, yes. But they'll probably bury her some other way. So, well, who knows? unless they Maybe have Alexa, her, Alexa Bliss will find some way to hypnotize her then too. Oh, speaking of Alexa Bliss, how would you feel about that uh, that promo that was interrupted by Eva? I mean, you, so, you know what? You're a horror movie aficionado, so I kind of want you to lay the scene for this one because I feel like that would be you, – you're you'd be way better than I could do that. Go ahead. Well, it's so corny. I mean, you know, you got Bliss back there with her evil puppet doing, you know, the low-rent version of The Fiend, who they just got rid of. Um and then she gets interrupted by Eva Marie and Dewdrop, who, by the way, any show that has Dewdrop in multiple segments automatically gets docked a letter grade, but I digress. <laughs> so then they jump Alexa Bliss, they make fun of the puppet, and then as they're, as they're walking away, the puppet kind of comes up on its legs. It was stupid. Uh, my only thought during this is, is could they possibly be doing this to get to get move away from the Lady Fiend stuff and get Alexa Bliss back to being Alexa Bliss? I highly doubt it. They seem invested in this nonsense. It was garbage. I hated it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it. I mean, Undertaker stuff worked back in the day. This just it doesn't work. It's childish. It's stupid. Now we have to deal with the doll. So it, it was. So two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I had to deal with hypnosis eyes. Now I have to deal with dumbass gimmick. And I think I think Alexa Bliss has enough charisma, and she's a good enough with her promo. She doesn't need that type of stupidity. They could give her a realistic, creepy gimmick that could probably get over significantly better than what they got going on right now. Well, th- there's a difference between being psychological in the context of what wrestling is supposed to be, which is supposed to be a exhibition of a physical competition, right? Mm-hmm. And just doing cheesy, nonsensical horror movie tropes, which is what they're doing. It's like the difference between Norman Bates, who you know could exist in this world, yeah, right, and chucky the killer doll which could not possibly exist in this world right exactly i'm a little more terrified of norman bates because there are legitimate psychopaths out there doing the stuff that he does oh yeah i'm not exactly worried about a good guy doll good guy doll becoming possessed through some voodoo mumbo jumbo and then not only trying to kill me but then subjecting me to just awful sequel after awful sequel (laughs) absolutely i mean uh well i mean 
the Blair Witch Project was, you know, realistic, and then they came out with a fucking dumbass sequel, and then they came out with a porn, which was the Bear mm. Wench Project, so, you know, there's there was that. I don't know why I remember all that, but I do. Um, yeah, I mean, that segment for me was just dumb, and yeah. then, of course, they have to have the moving <clears throat> doll. Um I'm not I don't like Dewdrop. I think the real point is I, I understand what she is. She's the enforcer while Eva Marie uh does her thing or gets back in or whatever, but I don't know. Um it, it was it was missed for me. I don't I, I was kinda just indifferent to the whole scenario. So Well it it's it's about again, gimme characters I can invest in, gimme a story that I can invest in. What are Eva Marie and Dewdrop angry with Alexa Bliss for? Does anybody know? Does anybody care? I have no idea. Well, and then it was instigated because Bliss was on the Titan Tron after their match, right? Mm -hmm. So she was taunting them. So I guess that was what sparked it. But then that goes to show, well, what was, why was Alexa Bliss laughing at them post-match? Like, where's the heat coming from? If somebody took the time to make a video about me to put up on a massive video screen in an arena filled with 20,000 people and a million and a half, two million people watching around the world on television, I wouldn't be pissed about that. I'd be pretty honored. Yep. 100%. Mm. 100%. All right. So... We talk about this a lot, but it just feels off for me in a lot of these segments where, and I, we, we spoke about it last time, but basically wrestler comes out. Now you now they present the video segment almost like they're introducing their high school senior project, mm-hmm. and then the action goes back to the way it was. And then it, it's, it's illogical for me because a lot of times they'll be talking talking trash about their opponent. Then their opponent is just what is their opponent just stewing for three minutes while they have the audio guy cue up their music just perfectly <laughs> to come out. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of it. I mean, I don't know that part. That, that's something I wish that they would kind of start to steer clear from. Just look, give me a commercial break, or give me video segment, then bring out the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just keep a continuous flow out there. Because I can only imagine being the actual wrestler in the ring in front of 30,000 people while the video's playing, and now they kind of have to just kind of tap dance around, stay in character, and it's got to be the most awkward three minutes of their life. So I think it would just be better for everybody <laughs> to just go back Can't to argue. it. I'll buy that one. We'll buy that one. Okay, great. So... Speaking of booking that doesn't make sense, we had Karrion Cross versus yeah. Keith Lee, where the in-ring action I thought was pretty good. But just the booking itself was, okay, um, hey, Karrion Cross, we buried you with Jeff Hardy. Then Keith, we this guy who Jeff Hardy beat, just beat the crap out of you, so now you're buried. Um, okay, well, now to, to stay face, so it'll be 1-1, one, one, uh, Keith Lee, now you're going to beat Karrion Cross and we're and you're going to get out of his finish, third fight into his WWE career. You're going to break his finish and, and basically just say, hey, your finish is shit, which buries him further, and then you're going to beat him. While trying to save face for both guys, I feel like they buried them both and... They didn't even have to start flicking the shovel. So, Steve, how did you feel about it? I know that was a little bit leading, but I just figured I'd give my opinion first there. Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. how did you feel about that match? 
I think when we look at segments, we, we generally try to give an opinion, right? And, yeah. and, you know, it's maybe we liked something, maybe we didn't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for a first time, and I'm just going to make a definitive statement that the people in charge of booking this particular, you know, Keith Lee and Karrion Cross have no fucking clue what they're doing. And it's not because one guy's talented or the other guy's not talented, because they're both talented. Yeah. But Keith Lee comes back, he loses to Lashley, he loses to Cross, he beats Cross. Cross comes in, he loses to Hardy, he beats Lee, he loses to Lee. What what are we doing here? And then on top of that, because again, stinky young in, lots of layers, Cross is still the NXT champion, so you're making the NXT title look like it's crap. Meanwhile, you're promoting an event, TakeOver 36, which happens the night after SummerSlam, where Cross is going to be defending the championship against Samoa Joe. Why are... Why couldn't you wait to do this until after SummerSlam? Let Cross lose the title to Joe if that's what they're going to do, then bring Cross in. Instead, you bring Cross in while he's still the champion, so he's super dominant on NXT television, and then he comes in and he looks like a freaking fool against Jeff Hardy, against Keith Lee. No one involved in this has any clue what they're doing. I don't know what story they're trying to tell. There's rumors about, you know, he's going to be on a losing streak until Scarlett comes in. If that's the case, it still doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. The match itself was fine, but when the story surrounding the match is this mindlessly dumb, it, it I don't care how good the action is. The the This is an example of the talent not being able to overcome the garbage 50-50 booking, the garbage story that they're trying to sell. It makes no sense. I hated it. This, in my mind, was just, it was just, it's a gym class F for me. Gym class F for you. Yeah, um, it's not quite gym class F for me, but it's an F for me. Um, I feel like the in-ring action of those guys with how good they both are, I can't quite give them gym class F because gym class F with Reggie makes sense because the in-ring action was shit also, um, minus the flippy flips. Uh, but this one was like, okay, these guys are actually have a hard main event style of wrestling that it goes, okay, these guys are in a believable fight, a believable skirmish, because their movesets are, are quite believable based on how big both guys are. Um, and uh, Karrion Cross's martial arts background now he uses a lot of submissions, and I love submissions. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I got to give it an F, and it's not the fault of the talent. It's the fault of everything around the talent. Uh, well, and, with you and, there, and that's why, and that's why it's so egregious in this case. It, it's it's such a disservice to these guys. You know, it, <clears throat> I can't say enough bad things about it. I've already said my piece. I'm done. <laughs> Absolutely, no hundred percent. Well, done. moving into moving into a brighter side, I, I I had a little bit of deja vu this week because it felt mm. like the main event from last this week was the same main event as last week, except for we got a. We got a couple of tables, and uh, that was about it. I mean, it kind of went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Um, but why don't why don't you break down the main event for the folks at home, Steve? Well, you know, not to before I get into that, I'll just tell you, you know, there were three direct rematches on the show from last week, and two what I will refer to as adjacent rematches from the show last week. So. Um, the, the reason why you had deja vu was because there was some deja vu. 
But anyway, like I said, you know, I, I, what I said when we covered the, the Reggie and the 24-7 title, I mean, before she comes out, I got the, the, the women's world champion. Yep. Basically telling me that if she, if she can beat Charlotte Flair tonight, then she'll be almost a superhero. You know, again, I'm sorry. I thought you were the world's champion. In retrospect, it's, right now, you are technically the best in the world. You have the coveted championship. Um, now, is she is she basically saying when she does that, okay, yeah, we, we all know it's a fluke. Let's just ride it out together. Well, you know, so apparently apparently, I tuned into the correct cartoon, right? So we, uh, we get a championship contenders match again because, you know, Charlotte Flair, after soundly defeating the new what she referred to as a joke of a world champion instead of immediately demanding that the match be for the championship because apparently she would rather be in a triple threat at SummerSlam where she could lose in a fluky way instead she demands a no holds barred match against Nikki Cross so that makes no sense not in any reality but okay you know, at the beginning of the match, there was a This Is Awesome chant. I had to listen closely because at first I thought it was This Is Awful. <laughs> um, but it, I, I don't think it was. Because as the match went on, the it seemed like the crowd actually kind of got into it, especially for yeah. some of the table spots that they did. Um, you know, I, they eventually get to the end, the finisher. I'm not exactly sure what, what finisher that was. It looked like it looked like Nikki was about to do Randy Orton's, you know, hangman DDT off the ropes and then eventually went into some kind of a twisting neck breaker. Yeah. So, so Nikki Cross beats Charlotte Flair clean in the garbage match, but in my opinion, it's too little too late for the damage that they did to Cross last week. At this point, they should have just went all the way and had Flair beat her again and just try start developing the story where Nikki's a fluke, Nikki's a fluke and then, you know, have her win at SummerSlam. Yeah. Maybe maybe in a fluky way, you know. And that would, at least in my mind, kind of fit in with the almost a superhero gimmick. So, I, the match itself, they there was some there was some good effort put out there. You know, Charlotte was bleeding from the back a little bit from one of the table spots, and honestly, that spot at the end where she went into the table that was set up, I thought I saw her get her hand up, but her head looked awfully close to going, you know, through yeah, that yeah. table. Oh yeah. Um. So I give I give the match a C for the effort. Um, but again, this is another example of where the story just does such a disservice. I don't know what they're trying to do here, but you know, you, you made your champion look like a joke and the, and in my mind, maybe the logic for Charlotte, not demanding a championship match is because she thinks that Nikki is such a joke that she'll just continue beating on her. At which case you're just continuing the crap on your world championship. So I gave it a C. You know, the effort was there, but, you know, too much of a remix from last week, and the story's kind of incoherent. Yeah, so I, I'm going to parrot a lot of what you say. So the in-ring work, not bad. Anytime, I mean, there was a good chair spot. There were some good table spots. I feel like it was a lot less glitchy this week than it was last week because there was en- a few. Yeah, I enjoyed this match better than the one last week. Yeah, this match I actually found myself enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was legitimately entertained by the match. The work itself was good. I feel like Nikki had a chance to play with Charlotte before, so now she she kind of felt found the rhythm better, and they both have better in ring chemistry together. But to your point, with how they buried her the first week, um, and, and and you know at the ending when she raised the belt, she did get a pretty big pop from the crowd. I could see. Mm-hmm. 
it's an endearing character. I get that. And, you know, I could see, I could see how some people would like that, right? Like Nikki Cross is a good worker. Um, but I think at this point, your, your heavy, your women's champion is basically built as the third wheel in, um, at SummerSlam. So what I view is it's like, okay, what you've established is this. Nikki can win when it's uh, Nikki can only win when there's some outside forces. She cannot mm-hmm. beat Charlotte Flair clean in a clean uh, one-on-one duel. Charlotte will knock the shit out of her every time. But if there's weapons, if there's a third person involved, if it's if there's some kind of schmoz, she can win. That's basically what I said. So I, I, I last raw I said she's simply going to be a mosquito. During the uh, during the triple threat match, we're not going to go into what I think is going to happen, but she's going to be a mosquito in that match. It's mostly going to be Flair and Rhea going at it. There's going to be spots where she's where Nikki's just taken out of action for two or three minutes out of time. She's going to come in to interrupt pinfalls, interrupt high spots, things of that nature. Um, and I feel like at best, what this win did for her, and then I'm going to let you go. Yeah. She went from being a mosquito to a mosquito with malaria. It's like okay, now you're a more now you're a more deadly mosquito, but you're still a mosquito. Well, you you bring up an excellent point with respect to how Nikki is winning her matches against Charlotte. You know, she she won by cashing in money in the bank, she won by using a bunch of weapons and she lost clean. That's what's supposed to happen to the heel. Yes. So, you're positioning your brand new babyface supposedly women's champion and the way that that she's being positioned is how you would position the 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 swarmy you know like the miz type heel champion so i don't get it it doesn't make any sense you have nick if if nikki's almost a superhero you have her beat charlotte clean but anytime that the villain you know uses some kind of nefarious means then they take advantage of the of the ultra clean squeaky you know white meat baby faces they say and gets the pin on her it, it's it's completely backwards and and they and WWE does this so much with with this backwards booking where the roles are reversed and you know they and what they end up doing is they end up making their baby faces look like chumps and they make their their heels look super strong which is fine if you're setting up the heel for a fall later but when your baby face is the champion you make your you make you diminish the title you diminish the person holding the title and for somebody who is brand new with this gimmick not over not not over to the point where they can where they're immune to some of this stuff i just think you're doing a complete disservice in the storyline again just it's 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 stupid i agree uh love nikki cross i hate the nikki ash gimmick um i can see how it's over with some people it's just not over with me um not over with you either. Uh, you gave it a C. I got to give it a C minus this uh, this week. I can't fail it. Can't give it a D because there was great work. Yeah. I was entertained. Just as a whole, the booking just does not make sense for this thing. Basically, she is now a mosquito with malaria. Well, yeah. and it, and it's more 50-50 booking. It was all – the 50-50 booking was all over this show. Nikki Cross and Charlotte. Uh uh, Mansoor and and Mustafa Ali and Mason T-Bar, you know Keith Lee and Carrie and Cross. It, it's there's it, way too much of this. 
Wait, if wait. everyone if everyone wins and loses against each other, then no one ever gets ahead. Exactly, and then no, you don't have any standouts at that point. Um, you don't have anybody. It, it's it's just bad, lazy booking. But it's 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 the new world where hey, we have to we have to be fair to everybody. I'm like, it's pro wrestling. It ain't fair. Well, like, what you what you get from this is is you get a a roster of talented people where nobody stands out, and then when you get to one of your premier shows like SummerSlam, you don't. You don't have any ready-made talent ready to stand up to your heel dominant champions, which is why they got to bring back 54-year-old Goldberg and Hollywood John Cena. Yes, that is. I mean, we're going to talk about SmackDown next week. We're going to have our own little predictions for that. But I, I agree with you. There's no standouts. The heels stand out, but there's no good guys. There's no. There's no baby faces. That, that can stand up to them. They make the baby faces look like complete chumps, um, which which works when you're trying to establish like a Bobby Lashley type character. Mm-hmm. When you gotta, unfortunately, you gotta break some to make an omelet. You gotta break a couple eggs from now and then, and I get that. But to your point. Well, oh, go ahead. No, uh, the, and and not to cut you off, but when you go back to what happened on SmackDown, right? And and the SmackDown before and then last week's SmackDown. This audience is dying. They are thirsty for a new talent to step up. And that's why when Finn Balor came out to challenge Roman Reigns, that thing that crowd went nuts. Yep. Right? And SummerSlam is is SummerSlam is a show that sells itself off based on name. It's like it's a it's it's WrestleMania light basically, right? It's WrestleMania light. It's like Lollapalooza or something yeah. like that. It's a it's a it's a festival. Of sorts. You you can have your 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 returning legend. You can have Goldberg take on Lashley, and then I think you can get away with a main event like Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. Yeah. Um. To, to, to bring you gotta elevate somebody up no one on this roster stands out and the reason why no one on the roster stands out is because exactly what we talked about in the carrying cross Keith Lee scenario they're booked awfully they they trade wins and losses no one stands out everyone instead of raising somebody else everybody just comes down to the same level and then you have ultra dominant champions and no one is the quote unquote right person to be able to headline a major pay-per-view like SummerSlam, WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble. No, I completely I completely completely agree with you there. And one thing I got to bring up because I know you like Matt Riddle, but you hate Riddle. <laughs> um I think I think in ring he's quite good. They gave him a couple of really great wins over these past uh couple weeks. He beat uh, Drew McIntyre clean not so long ago, but maybe that was because they were trying to pump him up for money in the bank. But then, uh, you know, which I think, I think uh, Riddle is a babyface if my, you know, if my fucking watch is correct here. You are correct, uh, sir. They uh, they fed him to Omos just as Riddle just as Riddle is actually quite over. Whether whether some people like it and some people don't, the guy is quite over. Mm. They feed him to Omos, and they let Omos beat him like he's a chump. Um, now he didn't get the Kofi, the Kofi treatment where he just got savaged for, for eight minutes, and we watched a snuff film, uh, a wrestling match turned snuff film, I should say. But he, uh, Omos, didn't fall to the ground once. 
he basically just ragdolled uh, Matt Riddle, a former UFC contender, just threw him around, ragdolled him. Um, not quite a chump, but I do feel like this is a setback for Riddle uh, overall, and I feel like there would have been a better way to pull this off as opposed to him just getting his ass kicked clean because I don't know if his character is quite at a place where he can come back from that. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you a little bit with respect to uh, the disservice to his character, him getting buried. I will say I was highly disappointed to find out that Riddle has a stable of scooters. <laughs> God help me. And the AR birds are still there flying out of his ass when he does his double flip-flop flip-off. I'm getting better at saying that. The flip-flop uh, flip-off. And even and even before, you know, he was talking about how he has Randy Orton blood flowing through his veins. I would have guessed it was just THC in his veins. But, <laughs> but you know, by and large, what was this designed to do? It was designed to advance the story and make Omos look like a monster. And it accomplished both, right? So yeah. Riddle got some offense in. Omos was made to look like a monster. It sets up the return for Randy Orton to come back. It sets up for them challenging for the tag team championship at SummerSlam. So I didn't really have a problem with how this went down. I would be careful because Riddle is is not so... Oh, it's another theme, right? Riddle is not so over that he can take too many of these. Yeah. But in terms of setting up the need for Orton to come back, them having an issue with the tag team champions, setting up the match at SummerSlam, I thought that this did exactly what it needed to do. Omos looked like a monster. If I had to grade it, I would give it a C just because it, it – you'll notice a theme with my grades is when the when the segment isn't exactly special, but it does what it needs to do. In my mind, that's average. That's a C. I thought that that's what this was. I know you feel like they're burying uh, Riddle, who's a very talented guy, um, but I think if you look at this in the context of what they're going to set up, it act, this is actually an instance where it made sense. Okay, well – in fairness, when you set it up that way, I would feel inclined to give it a C minus. If this turns into Randy Orton coming to his aid, they fight for the tag team championships together, um, and then it's like, uh, you know, Orton is oh beyond over, right? Like the mm-hmm. dude, dude's a Hall of Famer. He's earned it, right? So if that's the guy who hands Omos his first loss, or he's the guy who can actually do something against Omos, or and I don't think I don't think freaking Orton's gonna do the job for Omos. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, do do Orton and I mean we can get into this when we get closer to SummerSlam and we actually do the predictions. I could see that match going either way, and it really depends on how the next couple of weeks go. Yeah, storyline wise, their interactions together, I could make an argument for putting the tag titles on Riddle and Orton. I can make an argument for keeping them on Styles and Omos, but one thing you can bet, bet your bottom dollar, unless it's some kind of weird gimmick match, if Omos and Styles lose the tag team championship, it's it's going to be because somebody pins Styles. They are going yeah. to protect Omos. Yes, they're going to protect Omos. I, I agree with that because he's a big guy. I don't think he's Big Show. Um, I don't think he is Kali. I think he's, I'm trying to think who I think he's going to mimic best. If you want to go into his career, like, I think I don't you got to give him time. Got to give him time. I, I think it's still too early to, to, to say what he is. I just think, I think one thing that stands out to me is with his facials and the way he moves, he's not, he's going to be better than, 
you know, giant Gonzalez and, and great Kali and whether or not he becomes big show or he becomes something even better, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Let's give him time. He's still developing and he's, he's learning what he's doing while being on the biggest freaking stage you could be on. So, you know, you got to give him crap and you got, or you can't give him crap for that. And you gotta, you gotta give respect to the guy who's in the arena doing a very difficult job while learning on the job. He he is green, and he's going to have the WWE push machine behind him. So the question is, is is he going to become, you know, Big Show 2.0, or is he going to become Ryback? <laughs> Ryback, oh, God, don't get me started on that, dude. Well, that depends on how many how many ribs he breaks in the mm. ring or how many people he hurts in the just ring. Keep, just keep feeding him more, man. Oh, God, just keep feeding him more. Oh, dude, I love how that guy's posted, like, four Twitter polls on his uh, polls on his Twitter page saying, hey, where do you want to see me wrestle next? And it's always retire. Like, just go away. Well, well that right now what's going on, there, there, Summer, the WWE is actually holding a contest to have two guest announcers for SummerSlam. Yeah, and there is a there is a trending hashtag right now where there's a push to get Ryback to be one of those announcers. I think it'll be a cold day in hell before WWE lets that happen. Oh Jesus! Um, Christ. I think there may be some some ballot stuffing if it looks like Ryback is actually uh, gaining traction in that effort. But uh, yeah, it's the whole thing with Ryback. That's that's we can go into that on another day. I, I if I if I start talking about Ryback, I might. Uh, I might want to just. I want to just stop uh, podcasting. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just maybe just low. Maybe just lay into a whole bathtub uh, full of fire water and just end the whole goddamn show, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's skip the Ryback talk for now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so <laughs> much he, for that. Until he does something notable. If he if he wins this contest and they're actually going to put him on TV, I will talk all about Ryback because that's going to be some funny shit. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would be some that would be some. Uh, Oh fuck! Who was the guy, the comedians type, where they, that would be some Andy Kaufman level shit if they pulled that off? That'd be Borat 2.0 if they managed to make that happen. But to your point, I don't think they will. So overall, with this episode of Raw, as we come to the conclusion of this wonderful program, well, hang uh, on, hang on, hang on. I gotta stop you, brother. You mean to tell me that after our criticisms? Of one Mr. McIntyre. Yes. And oh. us begging him to use the frickin' sword that we're not going to at least touch on that for a minute. Let's touch on that for a minute. My let apologies. Me, let, me, uh, let me just... Set the stage. Set the stage. So, so for those who follow us and, and our criticisms and for those who watch this on TV, our, my, my critique has been the same. Uh, Mr. McIntyre has been given awful promo material surrounding this this claymore that he brings to the ring, and he used to shove it into the stage, which would cause like fire to come up from the stage, and now they've likened to a makeshift stone that he shoves it into, which again is the opposite of what's supposed to happen. The hero is supposed to pull the sword from the stone, not put the sword into the stone, but I digress. So this time... He's booked in a handicap match against Veer and and Shanky, I think that's his name. Okay. Whatever it is. The the two goons of Mr. Jinder Mahal, you know, Jinder 3MB Mahal. And I understand that Drew McIntyre was in 3MB, but I think we'll all agree they're on a little bit of a different level. 
Um, so Drew McIntyre finally wises up and says, you know what? I'm going into a handicap situation. It's going to be two-on-one and actually three-on-one with Mahal. They've got chairs. I'm going to bring this sword to the ring. <laughs> oh, wow. It's about freaking time, right? Yeah. But then, again, they can't help themselves from being ridiculous about this. So aside from the fact that you've got the announced crew, and I believe it was uh, Corey, uh, Corey Graves just repeatedly commenting about the size of the sword, at which point I knew we were about to get some hokey bullshit with this. Uh, eventually, Jinder Mahal interferes because God knows when you're outnumbered two to one, you need someone to cheat to help you beat the guy that's one on two. Yeah. Um, they immediately grab chairs. So now it's three on one. The three guys have chairs and Drew turns around to grab the sword, except the sword is a little bit out of reach. So now he's fumbling with it a little bit, right? Meanwhile, the three idiots stand there like, gee, what's he doing? What's he grabbing for? And he comes back with the sword. They, they do some stupid play shit where he like he hits one of the swords he's or one of the chairs with the sword he's swinging it around and then they have like what felt like about a five minute but i think it was probably more like about 45 seconds where he's pointing the sword at at, at i think it was veer and and veer's like like shaking and, and pretending like he's afraid and then eventually mcintyre lets him leave the ring but then thinks better of it and swings the sword again at them then chases them backstage with the sword way too over the top drew mcintyre is far too talented to be engaged with this cartoon kindergarten bullshit that they're giving him to do they finally do the logical thing with the sword and then they turn it into this over the top cartoon you know coyote and roadrunner nonsense yeah it, i i i it oh my god i i just wanted to scream at the screen now, do you think they went the cartoony route to avoid a to avoid losing Domino's Pizza <laughs> sponsorship? <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, it's like, God. see, it's cartoony. We're not. It's not a death match. We're not going to stab this guy for forty-seven times with this with this claymore. Dear God, I, I couldn't uh, help myself. You know, and and my fear is is that this is going to be the SummerSlam match, in which it, in which case if. If this is what Drew McIntyre is given to do at SummerSlam, which I, I can't see him doing anything else right now, what a what a letdown for him. I I here's the thing. Do you think that this is one of those situations where you got Lashley battling with somebody else? There's not really much <laughs> we can do with him now, so we're really just putting him on this storyline until something better comes around just to just to keep him fresh to kind of maybe give him a win or two because he has been losing a lot lately mm-hmm. um give him a cheap win while we get through the lashley goldberg thing and then maybe work in an angle where okay we haven't seen lashley and drew compete lashley's beating everybody all right let's let's get drew in there drew at least has a chance at beating him i could see that but there's there's a there's a there's significantly better and non cartoony ways to keep this guy warm than to work Jinder Mahal for the night for in a match I really don't give two craps about. 
I agree, and I think what, when you look at what we talked about earlier, and, and that being the 50-50 the booking and how it brings everyone down to the same level, in this case, there's the concept of the, of the rub in wrestling, right, where you, know, you get an interaction with a, with a big-time person, and that's supposed to elevate you. Even if you lose or you don't have a match with them, but they kind of they give you a compliment or something like that in front of a crowd, and that kind of that elevates you, right? Yeah. And and I think that that's what they're thinking in terms of trying to rebuild Jinder Mahal, who is a former WWE champion, right? Um, but in this case, I, I, it doesn't elevate Mahal to me. It just brings Drew McIntyre down to Jinder Mahal's level, and I think it's further exacerbated by the fact that these guys were in 3MB together. And in my mind, with what you've been doing with Drew McIntyre, the last thing you want to remind the audience of is that he was a member of 3MB. No, I completely, I completely, completely, completely uh, agree with you there. Um, personally, this is this is a step back, and I'm and I'm part of my fear here is with them being back with live crowds, with them wanting to get the biggest pop possible, with um, Thunderdome not being a thing to hide behind anymore, are they going to bring in the Goldbergs, the Cenas, and then the stars of old, give them those main event spots, and then what you're going to end up with is guys who were elevated and put to a certain point, some homegrown, fresh, new guys, are they going to... Is he just going to fade away into obscurity? Because, well, look at what they. I mean, if I was booking McIntyre, so I get why he didn't win the title back at WrestleMania against Lashley. You want to keep Lashley strong, fine. Immediately, if you're gonna if you're gonna have him take on Jinder Mahal, have him do it while you're still in Thunderdome. Give him some give him some filler stuff to do. And, but still keep them strong, so that way when SummerSlam comes around, instead of having to go to Lashley versus Goldberg, you can go back to Lashley versus McIntyre. Instead, they burn through all of McIntyre's rematches immediately following WrestleMania. He loses one after the other after the other, and finally it results in the stipulation where he can't challenge for the title while Lashley's still champion. Well, who else has been built? Who el- Again, who else is above the pack? Nobody. The only person who's remotely close right now is Finn Bauer, and the only reason why that is is because he just got back from NXT. He hasn't been he hasn't been dragged into the muck like everyone else is. So th- there's no one left. I I agree. They need their there needs to be an elevation of some of these mid card guys. They need to actually start elevating people and start doing it properly so that they can actually have some baby faces that could believably beat Lashley because, you know, the Kofi match served its purpose, which was, hey, let's just show Bobby Lashley, like, turn into this monster Mm -hmm. and stop it with the girls and really start going after it. But I really, outside of McIntyre and maybe Orton, I really don't see too many guys who I believe could beat him. Like right well, and, now. And, and even Orton has been taken out of any kind of positioning for that because he's been doing his stuff with Riddle. Yeah, so it's, it's they're going to work some sort of tag team angle, and I don't think – I think if Orton is, is wanting to continue this part-time path and just get overpaid to do maybe like six or seven calendar dates a year, then I can't see them winning the tag titles. So 
because they're not going to defend them ever. And then, you know, I don't, I highly doubt that Orton is going to want to do a full-time schedule all over again. So I don't know, man. I think, I think it might just be time for raw to just go away. Like what if the WWE, if they were cutting all this talent, just decided to say, Hey, we're going to go back to one weekly show we're going to cut out all the people we don't feel like we can put over or we can do anything with. We're just going to clip them, and we're going to focus on elevating a roster of 20 to 25 people or 20 to 30 people, depending on how you want to do it, and we're just going to make one super kick-ass product and go with it. Now, I know with TV deals that's not going to happen, but... Well, and it's also not going to happen because you're talking about building a wrestling company, and they're, they view themselves as an entertainment company. So, you know, they're not going to cut back Raw from three to two hours because they make money on the commercials, and that, and that's what their deal is. You know, they're not going to cut back on TV because they they lose advertising revenue. It's yeah. just this is this is the world that we have to live in, and unfortunately, for us, they have such a massive roster of talent. They I don't see why they can't at least <clears throat> more competently fill tv time if you want to give us the stupid do drop and and nia jacks and and 24 7 championship you, you can fit that in if you're looking for an entertainment aspect but the wrestling component has to make sense yeah no i agree and then if going back into entertainment versus wrestling if there's similarities there and the key similarity there is you need stars and it seems like they're screwing over the people who you could they're screwing people over where you could make some fucking serious money with if you actually booked these things pr- perfectly. So, I mean, one thing I think they need to do is they need to actually hire a writing team that understands the psychology of wrestling. Now, if they want to do – if they're comedy writers, that's that's cool, but they should be comedy writers who understand <laughs> wrestling. Or you let the bookers book the matches, and then you tell the writers, okay, hey, this is the event. These are the storylines right around that. We tell you what the story is. You give us like the, you, you, we give you the, the base of the cake. You put the icing on it, right? Like that's how it should be. There needs to be an adult though, who understands how to make a decent wrestling product. And then you let the writers make it entertaining. Well, and so when you go back to what we talked about at the beginning, if they are indeed going to sell the company and you know, it, it goes to, you know, Disney or someplace like that stand by because I think I think it'll only get worse without I mean at least you have what's left of Vince McMahon um, yeah exactly being at least some kind of a filter for some of this stuff you know God knows what the future holds but you know somebody with a wrestling mind needs to start figuring out how to position this roster and it's not about throwing belts on people, and it's not about drafts, because you know there's going to be a draft in the near future, and and they probably need to do it because some of the talent's been stagnating. But it 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 you have to actually have a long-term story in mind. The booking decisions around the story and the talent involved has to make sense, because at the end of the day, we're watching it for the athleticism. We understand it's scripted entertainment. We understand the outcomes are predetermined. But the whole purpose of this, much like a movie, right? 
I, I understand, again, that, that Bruce Willis is not throwing a terrorist in real life <laughs> off of Nakatomi Plaza. Yes. I don't need them every five minutes telling me, by the way, this isn't real. Exactly. Right? I suspend my disbelief because the narrative and the story is so good that I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I can get into this. With professional wrestling, it should be the same way. The greatest storylines in the history of professional wrestling have been ones that cause you to go, wait a minute, maybe they really do hate each other. Like, my God, right? Exactly. The, if, and, and just go back a couple of years ago when, when The Rock and John Cena were having their deal, right? There was some there was some truth to that, right? There was some yeah. animosity between the two, and that's why yeah. I got so into it and the fact that they're so damn entertaining. So, you know, there lots of problems with the modern product, and in my mind, they're easily solvable, but the problem is, is they're going to keep doing the same stuff over and over again. They're going to keep scripting promos. They're going to keep doing this 50-50 booking. And then they're going to sit there and wonder why no one's getting over because you're not allowing them to. You're not allowing the talent to be themselves. You're not allowing the talent to get themselves over. And then you're booking them in ways that make them all look pretty much interchangeable. Yeah. 100%. No, that's um, that's the best analogy of it. I can. That, that's the best analogy that I've heard of the current problem with the state of pro wrestling. And I... I honestly do not think anything's going to change until they have some viable competition. And I think it's going to be a three to five year thing when some of those contracts are up. Right. So Mm -hmm. let's say, let's say AEW lets some adults in that building. And then all of a sudden now they're vying for similar contracts with Peacock and things of that nature. Like it could happen, but that it's based on the based on the landscape of how the WWE makes their money now. That's gonna even if AEW lets the adults in, it's gonna be three to five years before the WWE would actually feel the true impact of that, and there would have to be a significant dollar value associated with it. I think whatever AEW does, once it starts to impact the decisions that are being made on WWE's TV deals and their streaming deals, then it'll be true competition until then you know like i said one guy's running a wrestling company and the other guy's running an entertainment company and that's why the guy running the entertainment company with his sustainable uh income stream coming in he doesn't i i I believe him when he says he doesn't view AEW's competition why would he they're running two different companies as far as he's concerned yep i i completely agree with you now sir we have given these wonderful people one hour and 37 minutes of pure freaking gold now if they wanted to let's say they are listening to the audio right now and they wanted to see us live so they could chat with us get interact with us while we are on the show where would they go to do that well, I mean, for, for interacting with us during the show, you would be the person to, to tell the, the fine audience where to do that. Well, that, sir, is on twitch.tv forward slash the Slammer Bros. Absolutely. And then we are also on YouTube if you want to see our ugly mugs. Uh, well, actually, in your case, your very dapper mug ah. in person on our YouTube channel, the Slammer rocking, Bros. Rocking the Paisley tie, brother. I mean, when you're rocking Paisley... And championship gold, perfect. Man, that belt must be like a magnet. I don't know if it's as big of a pussy magnet as the Intercontinental Championship, but goddamn, that is a... You wear it like a gentleman, good sir. Mm. And if for those of you who want to see what Steven looks like, you need to go to YouTube and you can watch this again with ah. the video. With yes. the video. 
Steve, where can these people find you on Instagram? I am on the Instagram, Steve, and it's actually underscore slammer. I haven't mentioned that in the past. Steve underscore underscore slammer on the gram and uh you know and everywhere that the slammer brothers are currently located growing even still to this day where can the fine people find you sir you can find me and my bodybuilding exploits on tiktok i have over 20 almost 25,000 followers and that is uh o o h jack slammer Oh, Jack Slammer, that's kind of what your mom says a lot. Hey, yo, just kidding. Not you, Steve. We have the same mom, but other person's mom. A viewer's I was about mom. to make a comment on there. No, 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 no. Not your mom. I was talking to the camera. Your mom, the listener. Oh, God, I've messed. I fucking wow. biffed the bag there. And then uh, for my Instagram, Jack Slammer Fitness, uh, if you're looking for somebody to help you get into shape, I'm your guy. Whether you want to get on stage or you just want to improve your fuckability by a couple points, I'm your guy to help you out there. And I do it in a way that is scientific and safe. So that is a little plug for myself. And then also, if you want to get some merch, go to slammerfitness.com. I am making a Slammer Bros t-shirt and hoodie that will be on there in two weeks i am telling you uh, what i will be rocking in february for our next show oh we gotta promote we gotta promote the pod we gotta let the people know what it is that we're doing and hopefully grow the audience so that it's more than just our mom giving us five star reviews you know what it's not just the moms (laughs) it's also uh co-workers who just want me to shut up and stop harassing Mm. them about it um, it is also uh, some of my TikTok followers who are joining over. Oh, and also the Slammer Bros TikTok page is picking up some steam, so that's a good spot as well. But anyway, Steve, it was a great show. Thank you so much for once again bringing your dapperness, your knowledge of wrestling, and another beautiful championship belt. You realize once we're... Once we're 47 shows into this, you know, WWE is going to run out of titles for you to carry. Mm. Well, you know, I, I don't have to have a championship every show we do. I think that the last couple, there's been a reason for it. You know, the TNT title for our first AEW show, our first AEW review. Uh, SmackDown, the Intercontinental Championship, because it was not properly represented. And now tonight, because I'm, I'm honoring the almighty, or the almighty, yes. WWE World Heavyweight Champion Bobby Lashley, and I just so happen to be walking around the house in a vest and tie because, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I decided to just bring it tonight. So we'll see what we'll see what our next show brings because it's going to be an AEW Dynamite review. Ooh, maybe I'll maybe I'll class it up with them. <clears throat> Depending on what type of main event we get mm. this week, I might have something in my bag to bring to the show good sir I but was, anyway I, I was gonna say i might i might have considered ordering domino's pizza but i just can't bring myself to eat domino's pizza sorry domino's you know what i might do i might buy the pizza mm-hmm. dump the pizza in the garbage but bring the box i mm-hmm. could do that i'd be willing to do that i could do that i mean it's yeah. what it's like they, they sell those pizzas for like three dollars now but it's not domino's pizza it's just domino's now now you can buy like those those frozen uh, like little fucking wait what's it called uh, like those frozen pastas that are already pre cooked mm-hmm. that they just throw in, in in a microwave for thirty minutes and then give to you. What uh, is it? 
what is it with these companies? Like, not to keep us here, but, you know, you mentioned Domino's Pizza isn't Domino's Pizza anymore. It's Domino's. Dunkin' Donuts isn't Dunkin' Donuts anymore. It's just Dunkin'. Kentucky Fried Chicken isn't Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're just KFC. Like, I don't like, know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe maybe they're trying to, like, fit into usernames because they're trying to be all hip and social. I don't know. We're not hip and social. We're the mm. Slammer Bros. Three words. The Slammer Bros. And you motherfuckers have a wonderful night. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.